Hey, I'm Gem Supernova and welcome to my DIY handbook. So I've learned so many things throughout the years on my journey as a freelance creative and sometimes I just really wished I had a place where I could go to hear the experiences, the processes and the decisions of other people like me. But most importantly, I really wanted to hear the lessons and the mistakes. So that's what this is. Each episode, I'll be sharing a lesson that I've learned along the way. I'll be honest in sharing my stories of when things haven't gone right and the solutions I've worked out. I'll be joined by a host of inspiring guests who have either been on a similar journey or had the answers right away. We'll be discussing how to build a team, persistence, the power of no, evolving and so much more. Disclaimer, this podcast was recorded at the end of 2020 and the first few months of 2021. So if you hear references to last year, don't worry about it. So today I want to talk about evolving and adapting. The year 2020 marked my 10-year anniversary of being in the music industry. Now, the person that I started out as, I wanted to be a daytime radio presenter. I wanted to be on, you know, MTV, hosting award shows, all that jazz. The person that I am today is definitely not that. A lot more understated, a lot more about the music, a lot more about being a specialist broadcaster and a specialist DJ. And things change. Our desires and our dreams, they weave in and out. And who knows, in 10 years, I might want to be back in daytime. You never know. But that is life. So that's what I want to explore today. So at the back end of 2020, I caught up with Georgia Lewis Anderson. You might know her as Georgia LA. So we both started out at the same time. She was working for a music platform called SBTV as a presenter, flying around the world, interviewing amazing people. Now, fast forward and she's a prominent woman in tech. She's worked for the likes of Microsoft. She's worked for Google and she's a regular contributor on BBC Radio 4. So I wanted to find out about her evolution, how she's adapted from the music world into the tech world, which for me do feel like two very, very different worlds. So I wanted to find out how the two came together for her and what she's working on now. So Georgia, firstly, break down exactly what you do in the tech world, because I often speak to my friends that are in different sort of industries and they're telling me what they're doing. And sometimes I'm like, wait, say that again. So how does that work? And it feels like something so completely out of my comfort zone. So I don't want to put words in your mouth. You break it down. What do you do? Well, I've had a few different jobs in the tech world, none of which I knew existed before I even got them. Even when I was applying for the job, it was all weird and secretive. and I didn't even really know what that was going to look like on a day to day. But right now I am a conversation designer working with machine learning teams to teach robots how to have human conversations. Wow. That sounds like so far into the future. So what does that actually mean? Like, so what's like a day in the life for you? Well, I actually have three different jobs at the moment. What? Yeah. So I I was doing uh, creating the personality of artificial intelligent personal assistants, which is like your series, your Google assistants. So I was working on the human, like fun aspects of that before. So that was like, you know, if you ask Siri, like, how are you? Are you a feminist? Do you love me? I was writing those answers. So not the ones that turn the lights on or like play something on Spotify. I was really into that. And we can like break down the journey more because obviously I met you when I was like interviewing Grimesars on SB. Mm-hmm. So it's quite different. Yeah. yeah. And then I left that basically. That was full time. And I thought, um, like you really, I just wanted to do more. Like I just felt like there was more out there. I was working for a big global company and I just thought, is this real? So now I work with a team who have like these really experimental 
algorithms basically and then I look at the framework and then think about what the most natural human conversation person could have with a machine using them and also think about like what a human wants from their conversation with machines so you know do they want to get that deep maybe they want to keep things surface um there's a lot of research into like when they're creating a lot of AI personal assistants they did lots of interviews with uh, real personal assistants like the top dons uh, looking at like their characteristics and that was quite a few years ago and it's like do people still want that or do they want you know a lot of people find them really comforting for loneliness and stuff so yeah I'm working on like machine learning human conversational experiments with machines uh two days a week yeah random. it's wild mm-hmm. I mean you mentioned you know when we first met uh, we were very very young in the industry you know many many years ago and you were working for SBTV um you were interviewing yeah grime stars to Justin Bieber you know kind of running around the UK uh, with a microphone and as a kind of DJ um sort of thinking about my role as like a DJ I'm constantly evolving constantly whether my my taste will change from year to year it might be subtle it might be drastic if I listen back to festival sets from two years ago I probably would never play that now but I wanted to kind of go a bit deeper into your evolution from the the world of music into the world of tech so was your love for technology always there? Yeah I remember I used to like um subscribe to New Scientist when I was a lot younger so I'd have that and I'd also read Vogue so I went to I went to London College of Fashion for a while but then I left um so I was really into fashion I was really into but also into science um so I was always fascinated with like space um new things of technology I love like downloading new apps and stuff but it wasn't um I never really considered it something that I could work in like I didn't uh, I didn't do that well in like science and maths like I'm not super super techie I'm definitely much more like from a creative background So, but when I got into this job, I didn't even know that it was for for a technology brand. It was like, they wanted a pop culture writer. And I was like, oh yeah, I can do that. I love music. I love TV. And there's loads of writing auditions. Um, And it was like one after the other, after the other. And I was like, oh, this is kind of strange. Like what's going on? And then it turned out to be a job at Microsoft, creating the personality of Cortana. And I was like, cool, I can do it at home. It's pretty good pay. Um, and then I just got really into it and like obsessed with robots. And I think I'm like naively optimistic about uh, the power of technology to impact our future for the better. I know it's quite scary and I think people should be worried and we should be asking those ethical questions. But I just think it's sick. Like, why would you not want stuff to be easier? Like, why would you not want to use some of these amazing discoveries that humans have made to make your life better? So, yeah, yeah. I love hearing you talk about it. You sound so passionate about it and it makes me feel excited because it is. And it is kind of all part and parcel, whether it's you, whether you're using a new microphone, using a new camera at the time, using new editing software. There is some parallels, isn't there? Yeah, I think... um, I've done like a lot of journalism in my time and I think my dad always says like journalism is like having to know uh, a little bit about a lot of things I, I like don't know how to write like machine learning algorithms or anything but yeah I love learning how to like use a new product and I think there's also a disconnect sometimes with like girls in tech you know it's almost seen as like not cool or something but we've all got this mad technology in our pocket all the time like more technology than like the king of france had like 200 years ago and so it's in our interest to like get ahead of it you know and like be into it and learn how to use it so sometimes when you kind of i guess when you were sort of getting into that job and kind of getting sucked more and more in and finding more and more out you're kind of like in between two places there's you as a sort of pop journalist and there's you kind of moving into this new direction. And for me, when I was on um, 
daytime radio and also doing a specialist show. So for four years, they could run sort of together, but they were two very different types of shows. There was two very different types of me on on the airwaves. Um, And at first it was like, okay, cool. I I enjoyed it. They sort of fed each other. And then it kind of got to a point for me where it was like, actually the me being on daytime radio playing you know a a playlist and kind of talking about things that I'm not actually that interested in is kind of harming what I want to do uh with with, as a specialist broadcaster and as a DJ was sort of harming the gigs that I was getting and I kind of felt there was like this period of time where I had to make a decision and I had to 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 let that daytime side of me go in order to really sort of focus so did, did you have anything like that? Yeah, and I must say I really rate that because I think like from an outside perspective and from an ego perspective or whatever, like the daytime slot is the sort of bigger one. But I really rated that you just stay true to yourself and like true to your passions. That's always where your strength is going to be. 100%. And and I think you evolve and change 100%. Like when I was like 14, I just wanted to be on T4. And then Mm. you go like, (laughs) yeah, and then you go hard towards that dream. And then you realise that, oh, actually I've changed. I don't know if I want to talk like to pop stars all the time and like yeah I was at um Microsoft for a couple of years and that was the same time that I got the job on Beats so I was like a playlist host on Beats One and that's when Google approached me and asked me to go full-time and I was like okay like if I'm gonna take a full-time job anywhere it might as well be somewhere there and maybe I don't want to talk over the first 10 seconds of Taylor Swift anymore no like disrespect to anybody that does like it's amazing I love pop I love like the you know lowest brow pop music and the weird like jazz shit like and also beats is incredible but you know I think you do what you wanted to do a few years ago isn't necessarily always what you want to do at the time and it's important to like check yourself because sometimes you just keep striving and it's not even in the direction that you want to go yeah and I feel like there's a kind of like almost like I guess where there's people sort of outside of it that would want to be in in that position they can't quite understand well why 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 you wouldn't want to do it but then also I kind of feel like society wise it's kind of frowned upon when people jump around or people change well they were they weren't doing that before if you think about artists when they do a different album you know it's kind of like well they changed yeah yeah it's weird isn't it that it's seen in that way and I get it I get the 10,000 hours thing like if you want to do one thing you need to go hard but at the same time how do you know if you want to do something unless you try and like life is long you know what I mean yeah Mm. cool we were young when we met but we're not exactly super old we're not getting our free (laughs) bus pass right now you know we're probably gonna have like loads of careers especially like in this time did you feel like um sort of with the 10,000 hours did you feel like you were closing one door that maybe you know it would have been a waste of time of you have put in all those hours you know um yeah like in a way, like, I loved all the music journalism I did. I loved being on SBE. I loved, I did behind the scenes of the Brits. I did loads of Virgin. Like, I loved meeting pop stars. It's just jokes. But I don't think it was, like, a waste of time. I think a lot of those kind of broadcasting skills um, are still kind of there. I do, like, bits and pieces for, like, Radio 4 and 5 Live. I don't think that's ever going to be, um, like, not a useful thing. I think you always, like, learn something in every role that you do you know yeah 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 definitely and was it hard to be like taken taken seriously because I sort of you know sort of touching back on the DJing and and being this like ah zany person on daytime when you kind of go into the clubs and you want to play like a serious set people kind of don't really almost trust you in in that sense so when you were kind of moving more into the tech world did did the people that you were meeting and around sort of as you got further in were they taking you seriously um no <laughs> but people have never taken me seriously like when I was at SB and I was the only girl 
Um, I know what I sound like, you know, people like calling me the posh girl and grime and stuff. I was like, um, when we did Fox Problem, like we produced that ourselves. We were going to like old white men in suits trying to like get them to give us money to make a show. I think that's, I wasn't like that surprised at that. And also I was working in a technology company where the engineers are king, like in most big corporations, like the marketing and stuff are like the most important people, but in like the Googles and the Microsofts. Like, you know, there's engineers walking around with, like, literal tails or, like, bare feet. And they're, like, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> and then everyone else is just, like, accessory. So, um, yeah, no. But also it was interesting because I'd never... It made me realise I had, like, loads of skills that I didn't realise that I had, that they valued. You know, like, chatting to people. <laughs> and, like, yeah, real, you know, <laughs> real life skills, yeah, RL. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, like, you know, you asked me that question about do you ever feel like your time was wasted before? Like, I would say you don't feel like your time was wasted, like, doing daytime, do you? No, I don't, actually. No, I, I and actually, it, I always think things come around full circle because those four years that I, that I did do t- daytime, they came in handy when I covered um, Giles Peterson on Six Music. So it was a specialist show, mm-hmm. but in the daytime at 3pm. So having had that experience of being not just talking about music, but also being warm and kind of telling stories alongside playing some underground music, I kind of think it kind of put me in good stead. And that was kind of why the reaction to the show was so good. And if I hadn't have had those four years, I think it would have been um, really big boots to fill. So I think, yeah, sort of what like what you were saying is about sort of taking those, all those skills are transferable. Yeah. Um, it was just like a cutting point for me that I just kind of felt like it no longer served me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to what you said about like your desires and your ambitions, it's like getting to a point when you're thinking like, this is cool, but it just doesn't serve me mm-hmm. right now. And like how cool to be able to have the choice. Loads of people don't even oh, get God, to yeah. make that decision. Like, look how far you've come. I swear when I met you, you were a producer on Radio 1 mm-hmm. One Extra, but you were also like at night and on the weekends working on like a community radio station, right? Yes, yeah, so that's what, radio. That's what you wanted. So then yeah. you got to the point when you could actually say, whoa, like I get to be in charge now rather than just like see what comes along. And that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I feel that but maybe that's where the hesitation comes in a little bit is because like that, that, that is what I had wanted. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like, and, and I'm now putting that side of me to bed or that just that small aspect of me um, um, to bed. So when I left daytime, though, mm-hmm. you know, you said about the, the profile and, and the branding of it. It's a massive pay cut, essentially. Yeah. It was the biggest earner that I was that I was bringing in. And obviously the jobs that that, that then leads to, the kind of brands that are going to work with you, uh, the kind of fees that you're going to get, um, sort of when you step a, step across the line mm-hmm. into the underground, those fees start to get smaller and, and there's less brands that kind of want you to be uh, the face of things. Did you experience having to, to you know, look at your finances and was there a pay cut or was it even better? If you're asking me if I've had money troubles during my career, the answer is hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> we like to be honest to the point, like share it. Yes, of course. Like loads. I was in uni when I started at SB. I didn't even know what being freelance was. I didn't even realise I was freelance. It was a startup. We were all getting, you know, basically it wasn't crazy uh, pay for what I was doing, although it was super exciting. And I was meeting, there was one day when I met P Diddy in the morning and Nicki Minaj in the afternoon. Like it was wild times, but it wasn't um, a proper business like by any stretch the imagination and I know again I know what I sound like but like 
I got a scholarship to private school. That's why I sound like this. There was times in SB when I was literally paying my rent with the free trainers that I was getting given. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't a joke. And that's how I got into tech. Like, I was like, cool, I just need something steady. Like, you know, being on the radio is often like a presenter's bread and butter. And I didn't have that regular thing. And then I went full-time to Google. And then actually I stayed there for a couple of years and um, I got offered a full-time job and everybody thought I was mental for not taking it. There's like kind wow. of a weird hierarchy at Google between the contractors and the full-time. It's like, that's kind of like, that's, that's, that's like everywhere, isn't there? It's like the, the full-time is the stability. And if mm-hmm. you're a contractor and you don't take a full-time job, then it's like, what about your pension? Yeah, exactly. What about your pension? And there's some mad perks that they get as well, like private medical, red yeah. Um, but then that was the point that I realised actually the money wasn't enough. Like I was like, I'd rather take the risk like you would, really. It's the most incredible place. I met some of the smartest people. I learned so much. But um, I was like, I wonder if there's something else. I wonder if there's more real world out there. And if you don't take the risk, then you never know. I always feel like risks always pay off. There's always something like, you know, one door closes, another door opens. Like as soon as I announced that I was leaving daytime, and told people, because, you know, you kind of, if you don't tell people that you come into contact with what you're up to and what you're doing, then people just assume that things are exactly the same. I'm sure there is still someone out there that thinks you're still on SBTV. Yeah. Somebody believes that. Yeah. Yeah. No, someone actually emailed my agent the other day and I was like, have you watched SB for a while? Like, anytime I see? Yeah. <laughs> they do. It's just life, isn't it? Yeah. So much things happening in the internet. We've, we think that everything that we put out, everybody sees. Yeah. Um, and they don't. But as soon as I said that I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. I got an offer to do a radio show uh, for the British Council called Selector Radio. Yeah. So it was like a special show. I create all, all UK music and it'd go out all around the world. And I was like, wow, that is so crazy. Had I have never said no to daytime or said no to that show, sorry, that specific show on the weekends, that opportunity would, would never have come about. Mm-hmm. And kind of like financially, in a, in a sense, actually, I managed to kind of finesse it that I was getting paid more to do one show than I was doing two. Sick. And I was like, yes, risks, risks pay off. So kind of where you're at now, do you feel like that risk that you took um, as you're sort of evolving, adapting, figuring out what you wanted Looking back now, do you think that your risk has paid off? Yeah, like, I don't know if you've read this book called The Artist's Way. It's um, quite an old, it's old school sort of new age. And I am obsessed with technology, but I'm also kind of a bit of a hippie, I guess. Um, And that's all about like, uh, you know, like getting back in touch with your creativity. And they've got loads of quotes in there. And there's one quote that always stuck with me, which is like, leap and the net will follow. And it's so Mm. true. It's like, if you don't like decide to say no to something, you'll never, the other opportunities just won't happen for you. So I really do believe that. Um, so yeah I think it did like it was scary obviously when I was like trying to find a job but it just like your time is so valuable it's too valuable to be doing stuff that you're not 100% sure of and now I actually do more interesting stuff in terms of the machine learning experiments and I just have way more time so I'm working on this space startup it's like a tv show that's going to send someone to space which takes up a lot of time I never would have been able to see that I'm starting my own business Um, I try and do bits on like radio and writing and stuff where I can so I never would have had that if I was going to an office every day I think it's important to where if possible to place kind of more value on time than you do on the sort of financial outcome because time is so precious and even having the time to you know as you're going through these changes having the time to think having a clear head like when you were at Google did you ever find uh, sort of in that full-time role that it was really hard to kind of think about anything else you know you do podcasts you you, you, you write a newsletter could you have done that yeah no definitely not and that's like I'm making less now obviously than I was then but sometimes you, it's like it's Although it's not one step back, I suppose financially it kind of is in a way, but unless you take those risks of like starting something on your own. There's a phrase 
that people used to say it's like so, like some things can be dangerously comfortable as well mm. you know and that's like a zone that I don't know if you if I personally want to be in yeah because dangerously comfortable to me kind of feels almost like almost like you're working on autopilot yeah you get up you do what you have to do you go to bed you do the same thing again and kind of that that kind of fills me a little bit with with fear actually <laughs> oh yeah and like yeah I'd never had financial security I don't come from that kind of background do you know what I mean so it was super attractive and also it was really interesting but I yeah I just think that um risks do pay off in the long run and you know you can always go you can probably always find a steady job touch wood yeah exactly and yeah. Like, and having that experience so you, you know you, you can say on your cv you, you've worked at google you know mm-hmm. if anything i could be a continuity announcer yeah <laughs> if it all went to shit yeah exactly <laughs> i can do that yeah yeah and what was it like then working in a different environment because um sort of away from radio i've started, I started working around like 23 24 in major labels mm-hmm. and i just thought music's music do you know what i mean at the end of the day but going from one corporation into another corporation the whole set of rules were so different and I wasn't used to being in that office environment and the jokes that they had and the way that they, they worked. And it, it's taken me, I'd probably say up until like, I've been there like four years now. And this is the first year that I feel kind of comfortable. And I'm, I'm only in one day a week as well. So that's mm-hmm. quite a, you know, four years doesn't sound that long when it's one day a week. Um, but only now am I kind of in the stride and I understand how it works and um, kind of that major label thinking, but it took me such a long time and it, w- it would fill me with dread going in because I just couldn't, I couldn't get my head around the culture. Oh, totally. And also tech culture is different as well. You know, I'd been working media and then you work in tech, it's a whole different vibe. And yeah, off weird like politics. I'd never even, yeah, I'd never even been to an office every day. Like my first ever job was SB. I Like on the flip side of that, I'd say I learned so much and actually as a like serial freelancer I'm so glad I had that time that time of like being in full-time employment for the discipline for I learned so much about like stuff that before I thought was really boring but actually it's like really important like processes um like getting stuff done like strategies and like loads of weird stuff that I apply to my own life in like kind of a geeky way like my spread my to-do list is like on a spreadsheet with like drop down emojis and stuff and like oh I love that you know like (laughs) kind of like really embarrassing shit but actually I'm so glad that I had that because otherwise I don't know yeah I don't think I'd be I mean I've still got a lot to learn when it comes to running my life but it's definitely helped yeah what is what is tech culture like like kind of I love because obviously I'm in my head it'll probably be like um you know like I was watching uh not industry but like industry is obviously uh on BBC um it's like a kind of it's more an investment banking kind of world mm-hmm. um but that would be for me what I believe that that shop floor is like um so if I watch anything that's like in Silicon Valley yeah um, that's my idea of what tech culture is so what what yeah. is it actually about well it's just wild like I've been to Silicon Valley like a few times for work and you're just like lol what like I remember I was waiting for the bus to go to Google in the morning and then I accidentally got on the Facebook bus and I was like oh sorry so (laughs) hey guys yeah so that's just weird it's like double-decker buses with like insane internet speed that people get on to like go to work to get out of San Francisco and then like when you're there you know it's just again like the engineers are like the dons basically there's all this weird, there's loads of, well, loads of free shit. So I was on my own and I'd be like signing up for like Zumba classes after work. And then I'd just zoom out and I'm like, I'm doing Zumba in Silicon Valley at Google in like California. And you're just like, how, That's mad. how did I get here? Like, it's just strange, you know? Um, yeah, the culture is, you know, like meme culture and lots of like weird jokes about tech. And yeah, uh, 
processes. It's like that. I suppose it's a hustle culture in a different way. And um, mm. before we started recording, we spoke about boundaries. And I think one of the biggest things I learned there was pushing back, actually, because I think although um, the companies I've worked at are huge global corporations, they're also very much about... Um, like setting goals, you know? So like every single team would have their own goals and people don't get promoted unless they reach them, basically. So everyone's always hustling, like trying to get other teams to help them with stuff. And again, that's really cool. Like, so I'm setting up a business now and it's really handy to be able to prioritise stuff. And like even me and my boyfriend do like use the system sometimes. So it's like P0 is like super urgent, P1, P2, P3. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, no, yeah, we need to fix the sink, like P0. Um, But yeah, so going back to what I was saying before about... Uh, learning about boundaries because people are always trying to like work with your team or like see what what value you can add I learned a lot about pushing back which I probably wouldn't have done so much before like when I started I was just so eager to help I was so gassed to be there I was like yeah of course I'll say like I'll do this and then by the end I was just being a bit stricter about my workload and my bandwidth and be you know passing things on to other people it does take a bit of time to kind of yeah I guess sort of assess the situation that you're in and kind of also based on your own previous experiences so like as a presenter you would have experienced you know and I I would have experienced um there is a level of goal setting and there is a level Mm -hmm. of do this and then you might get this and do that you might get that and there can also sort of be a level of um I guess you know a lot of people heading heading for one for one job Mm -hmm. and you a lot of it's a lot of competition yeah is that the same competition that there is sort of in a tech world where there is there lots of people that want that job would they do anything to get it with a trample on you would they trip you up um my team were like super creative so I haven't found that as much and now I'm a freelancer so I appreciate kind of being out of it yeah I did find that obviously I think in every corporation especially okay think about somewhere like Google everyone who is there has been like overachievers their whole life you know what I mean so it's just like the vibe is a lot um and then they meet other overachievers and they're like you're an overachiever too mm -hmm. I'm an overachiever and it's like whoa (laughs) (laughs) so you know you know it's inevitable that heads are gonna knock uh but generally it was good but yeah of course of course and also they like run the world so so like Shit's going to go down, basically. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to dramatise it in my head. If I ever write a screenplay, I'll, I'll be using these, uh, yeah. these anecdotes no, from I, you. I was taking notes the whole time, especially the first time I got on that double-decker bus to Silicon Valley. I was like, oh, my God, just, like, typing everything, typing about, like, you know, the desk, the treadmill desks and stuff that people have, <laughs> people taking their dogs to work, like, all of that stuff that you just become so desensitised to. Like, Yeah. And has it made you a better writer? Because I can imagine being in such a different experience, hearing different people talk in different ways, like different characters, because, you know, journalism, going back to mm-hmm. what you started out as, which is essentially a journalist, has that sort of fueled you as a better writer? Um, I hope so. Like, at the beginning, I had, like, mad imposter syndrome. I think, like, we all do in any sort of job. And I think, again, I also think a lot of people at big corporations like that, that they're not only all overachievers, but they're all suffering from imposter syndrome and they're all trying to prove themselves. So it's kind of, it can be intense, but it also can be exciting because you have these crazy minds and you have conversations that you never would have had. And there's so many people from all over the world. Um, but to answer your actual question, did it make me a better writer? Yeah, it made me, um, I think it made me a lot more logical because I've never had to like write in such, uh, kind of like a framed way 
So that em- lack of like taking the emotion out almost yeah. or wh- how you feel about something. Yeah. And it made me like a lot of my uh, early work was about like the British sensibilities and what makes up the facets of somebody being British. And it's so it's stuff that I had never really thought about. And it was just so like inherent. Um, so that was really interesting in like a kind of anthropological kind of point of view. And I did all this work on like there's this guy called Hofsteed who developed this thing for IBM which is about um, all the different characteristics of different cultures around the world. So I think they use it when Airbnb didn't take off in Japan. And it's because they are more risk averse uh, than like Western societies, according to Hofstede. So that was really interesting. I got to like um, learn more about, like break down why British people are British, basically. So yeah, I think it did in some ways contribute to me being a better writer definitely a better script writer in terms of like uh more than a one-way conversation and yeah it just allowed me to like geek out a bit as well which was quite fun I love oh my god like hearing you talk about these things these, these, these are things that are genuinely I feel like are exciting and like sort of nuggets of gems like I feel like your brain is like oh yeah <laughs> growing every minute it's like in a good way not your head your brain is growing okay yeah I mean it's pretty random let's be real <laughs> I'm here for it I'm here for it but you also but you know actually I do remember speaking to you as a presenter and you always had like a quest for knowledge um and a quest to want to find things out and an interesting way of sort of analysing stuff. So it doesn't, it's just a different, different subject. Oh, that's so really do you nice feel, to say. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. No, it's very true. Yeah. Do you feel um, reinvention? Because that's kind of how I see it from this side is you've, mm-hmm. you've re, you have re, over these years, you've reinvented yourself and what you do. You know, I'm sure your Instagram feed is different to how mm-hmm. it was before. Um, do you think it can be sudden? Could someone turn the lights off tomorrow and say, I'm not going to do that. I'm doing this tomorrow. Like, you know. Or does it need to be gradual? Well, I think I listen to so many podcasts about careers and stuff. And I think the one bit of information that's always been really handy is don't give up your day job before you can, you know, and don't mm. do another job at the job that pays you <laughs> because it's quite scary um, doing a whole different thing. Mine was born out of necessity. It was born out of, I needed to pay my bills. And then I became infatuated by technology and carved out this new career. In one sense, you've got to take that risk, jump off a cliff. But in another way, you've got to like, um, keep your ducks in a row. I don't know if you've read, have you read um, any Paolo Kahlo? Oh, yes, of course. The Alchemist is the book that is by my bedside table. Oh, there like, you go. Oh, yeah, I always go back to it. Like, yeah. it's, I just think it's such a fantastic story. Same. Okay, so do you know the bit when the guy goes to, like, the palace, the king's palace, and the king says to him, look at all the amazing artwork that I have, but also, while you're there, can you hold this spoon with a drop of oil on it, and you need to make sure that you don't drop the oil? Yeah. I think about that all the time, because it's like, you want to, like, see all the pictures, but you've got to keep your oil on the spoon. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, don't run before you can walk, almost, you know? Yeah, so it is a balancing act. Like, I wouldn't want to, like, tell someone to just go, like, throw caution to the wind completely, but at the same time, I think, like, a calculated risk, like, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, perfectly said, and I love, I love that analogy. Okay, so what is the most rewarding thing about evolution for you as a sort of creative or, you know, in an industry? What's the most rewarding thing? Um, I think, I think learning new things, like you said, um, you think you want something, you do it, and then you're like, whoa, no, I want to learn something else now. Like in another world, I think I'd just go to uni forever. I would love that. And like changing jobs and like learning new things and taking on new roles is a kind of similar-ish 
uh, vibe. Something that Norman Jay um, said to me sort of kind of, I guess, goes goes into that. It's about finding new challenges and kind of always pushing yourself forward. Um, so he he's like a big, massive DJ, tastemaker, sound system mm-hmm. culture. Um, and he was basically saying, um, he said... Um, the reason why he thinks he has longevity and he's had this amazing legacy is that he's always left something at the top of its of its peak. Mm-hmm. So whether he was running a label when it got to that, you know, the, the, the most success that he felt it could get, he was like right onto the next. When he had his sound system and he thought that it had grown as far as mm-hmm. it could grow, he's like right, that's it. Rather than kind of almost going down again, because yeah. that sort of naturally happens, and that's something that something that I've been thinking about that I kind of want to take into because this sort of this sort of podcast is kind of me thinking about the next phase of my career and it's thinking about okay where are the things that I think I've done and where's the things that are still more to achieve and where, where are the challenges mm-hmm. yeah yeah and Norman J sound system was incredible so fair play. it was great <laughs> yeah yeah it was great time yeah, yeah. it couldn't have, it couldn't have been better yeah. it was perfect yeah I think what this year has made a lot of us realize is that if you don't have the time to reflect, then you're just kind of be caught on the treadmill. Like, that's definitely what I found. Like, yeah. I take on a lot, and sometimes I think I take on too much, but you really... Likewise. You have to schedule time in your diary to not do anything, because otherwise you'll never be able to set those goalposts that are coming up. 100%, definitely. So I guess, you know, we, we sort of said you took on too much, but we are kind of the kind of people that are always looking forward. So where to next? Well, who knows? Uh, Yeah, so I'm working with Space Hero, which is the first ever TV show that's going to send a non-astronaut to space. So, Will you be going to space? Oh, my days, I wish. No, they've got one. So it's like a reality show and all the contestants compete. There's one seat on the mission to the International Space Station in 2023. Uh, So I'm really excited about that. It's a startup, so I'm doing loads of different things for them. I'm starting my own business. Um, I'm enjoying learning more about machines. I'm just trying to do as much writing as possible, basically. So, yeah, we'll see. Well, I I guarantee that I think out of everyone that I know in this world, you will be the first person in space for me. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Oh, my days. I'd love to go up there. Would you like to go up there? You go first and then you tell me how it is. Check it out. Yeah, fine. (laughs) Thank you so much, Georgia. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me. Georgia's brain literally blows my mind. I want to read all the books that she's read and I really took a lot from the quotes that she reeled out as well. So even though we started at the same point and we had the same desires and ambition to be mainstream TV stars, we both took different turns and the turns were for the better. She fell into a tech job, got sucked in, absolutely loves it and has a whole new career. What I really took away from that is that reinvention doesn't have to be instant. It can be gradual. It can be over time. And I'm going to have that image of the kid from The Alchemist with the spoon, the oil, looking at the art, kind of wanting the art, knowing where you're heading, but just keeping the spoon going for a little bit longer. Thanks for being here for this episode of the DIY Handbook. I've been Jam Supernova. And if you like what you heard, then just let me know. Leave a review, talk to me on socials, and please, please subscribe because there's more great information, stories, and advice to come in future episodes. This podcast was created by me, Jam Supernova. Production from Amy Bennett. Music and audio production from Sam Interface. <laughs>